Are you ready for the most ridiculous internet sports show you have ever seen? Welcome to React, home of the most outrageous and hilarious videos the web has to offer. So join me, Rocky Theus, and my co-host, Raiders Pro Bowl defensive end, Max Crosby, as we invite your favorite athletes, celebrities, influencers, entertainers in for an episode of games, laughs, and of course, the funniest reactions to the wildest web clips out there. Catch Reacts on YouTube, and that is Reacts, R-E-A-X-X. Don't miss it. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Regressing to the mean since 2015, it's the Hockey PDO Cast with your host, Dmitry Filipovich. Welcome to the Hockey PDO Cast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and uh, joining me is Jeff Merrick. Jeff, what's going on, man? You know what I really enjoyed? The uh, the last PDO Cast with Jonathan Willis. Damn, he's a smart guy, eh? Yeah, he's pretty smart. He's like, there's always, like, I don't think I've missed more than, geez, maybe a handful of your podcasts, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, but the ones that, you know, they're just some podcasts where the minute it's available, you download it. And no matter what you're doing, you listen to it. Like it's going on the treadmill with you. It's going to walk the dog. It's going to the grocery store. The Jonathan Willis podcast you do on this one to me are are some of the finest. So this is my long winded way of saying that's a smart dude, eh? Yeah. Well, um, you know, I feel like for most listeners out there, uh, the podcast with Jeff Merrick is kind of fit that bill. So, man, I got a lot of people fooled, dude. I am not that interesting. (laughs) I am not that smart. I, fake the funk on a consistent basis the mask will come off soon trust me maybe on this podcast we'll find out oh you're selling yourself short um we're gonna we're gonna preview the world junior tournament on this podcast and i enlisted your help because uh for people that don't know i'm sure everyone does but for people that don't uh you've been doing some uh some work with prospects this year you're doing the the prospect project podcast and you're uh you're doing our monthly rankings at sportsnet right uh i am i mean i've i mean you know we've talked about this before um I've always loved the draft. I know, mm-hmm. I know that that may be a, a growing minority, uh, but I love it. I think it's one of the things that the NHL does better than any other professional sports organization in North America. I love uh, all the the whole way that, that that it's run. Whether or not you know ethically, you, know, you like the idea of you know eighteen year olds being told where they're where they're going to be able to work uh, for at least the next three years is another issue. But yeah, prospect stuff. I can still remember like every year one of my most anticipated. Because I've had a subscription to Hockey News pretty much my entire life. Since mm-hmm. I was old enough to say, hey, Dad, can I buy this magazine? I've pretty much had a subscription to Hockey News. Still have one to this day. And one of the most anticipated issues was always the draft preview. Yep. That was the one, man, I would just like, by the end of the draft, that Hockey News magazine was just chewed up because it was dog-eared. It was rolled up and put in my back pocket. It was put in knapsacks. It was carried around everywhere. Uh, of all the copies of uh, all the old Hockey News magazines I have, 
the uh, the draft previews are always the most messed up because it was always my favorite to to, to peek through. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a good time of year. I mean, it's just any, it feels like anything's possible. So I think that kind of makes it exciting, right? I mean, for all these teams that uh, don't necessarily have you know anything really going on right now, it's like one player. I mean, we're seeing it right now in Edmonton with Connor McDavid. Obviously, he's a special generational player. But I mean, like a guy like that can just come into your life and just completely change everything. Uh, yep, uh, we're not going to see that this year <laughs> in, yes. the, in the draft. Um, I, over the past couple of years, fans have really been spoiled, right? Mm-hmm. When you look at like uh, I've I've looked to the I guess ninety sevens, maybe the ninety sixes to some extent, the ninety eights. Um, but that was the first that was the first group of kids that just grew up knowing that this is hockey. And by that, I mean, they didn't have to stop playing a certain way and start playing this way. Like up until, you know, 2005, all the rules changed. The NHL had, had a, a, a ripple effect um, all the way down through minor hockey organizations that this is the way that you play hockey now. And I felt bad for people that were trapped in that at the NHL level, the American League level, minor hockey, junior hockey, division 1, all of it. We're all we're all trapped because uh-oh, I've got to stop playing hockey this way and learn how to play it a different way now. Whereas the 97s, the 96s as well, you know, they were how old? You know, 6 7 years old when the new um when the when the the new rules came in, 8 years old. Like, so they just grew up knowing this is how you play. So there's never been a stop learn it again and then stop playing. This is just to them the game. And so now that, you know, these guys are all of a sudden um, playing in the NHL, we probably shouldn't be surprised that, you know, they're amongst the elite because they've grown up just playing this game. But, you know, we've had, you know, a draft class that has seen Matthews and McDavid and Line and Jack Eichel. Mm, that's not going to come around, I don't think, uh, again anytime soon. Well, it, it's it, that embarrassment of riches really is is worth hammering home, just because uh, a guy I, I constantly seem to be thinking about these days is Nathan McKinnon, where. You know, I, remember, I guess people might forget now, but like when he was coming into the draft, he was like the next big thing. There was all these Crosby comparisons, and he was he was you know the hottest commodity. And yeah. whether it's just been, been kind of playing in Calgary in the pa- uh, Colorado in the past few years, they've been a mediocre team that hasn't necessarily been grabbing a lot of attention, other than what their coach has been doing. And you know, he's had a few injuries here and there, and hasn't necessarily put it all together yet. But we just kind of forget, like you know, he's been cast aside because it's like, oh, we got all these new shiny toys. But a guy like Nathan McKinnon, it's like he's like still like. 21 or 22 years old and it's still got a crazy bright future and it's just amazing how much how much how much talent's come into the league the past few years and then you watch him at the world cup and you say wow he's ready for the big breakthrough right because yeah. he was uh, amazing you thought okay this is next level time it's nathan mckinnon it's a new head coach uh both uh jeff and dimitri are wrong in their preseason watchability <laughs> rankings about the avalanche uh they've been nothing short of, of a disaster but you're right like he was he was that that almost the, the forgotten guy, much in the way that when he was injured at the beginning of the season, Jack Eichel was a forgotten guy in the line A Matthews McDavid conversation. Now he's back and rocking it. Yep. Um, we looked at Nathan McKinnon. And you know, the interesting thing about his draft year as well, there was that brief time right up until the Memorial Cup where all of a sudden all the draft lists had Seth Jones, or the majority of them, I think, had Seth Jones as number one. As far as as far as prospects goes, and then both Portland and Halifax made it to the Memorial Cup. It's the one in Saskatoon. Halifax ends up winning the entire thing, and Nathan McKinnon was just a flat out star, yep. and that cemented it. Rightly or wrongly, for Colorado, they took Nathan McKinnon over Seth Jones. Seth Jones being the guy that fell all the way to Nashville's lap. 
Yeah, well, it's insane. I mean, I, I'm, I'm still a believer in him. Just, you know, it hasn't been Me the too. start of the season that, that you're, you'd hope for and, and we thought he'd have. But I mean, like, I don't know how many times I've watched a game Nathan McKinnon's in and come away with it not thinking that he was like the best player on the ice, right? Like, just, it seems yeah. like he's capable of, of everything. He's just a blur out there. And, and once he puts it all together, I, I think, uh, I still think this guy's a limit for him. But let, let's, let's, yep. I was, I was going to say fast and strong too. Like, he's not like a wiry, oh, fast yeah. guy. Like, he's thick. Yeah. He's a right? powerhouse. Like, like, I remember I was standing beside him at uh, World Cup after one of the games. I'm like, this guy is just flat out thick. Now, I'm not sure how much weight he's put on it. And it's not just like gratuitous weight. Like he's put on muscle. Yeah. Well, you see the Tim Hortons commercial. Guy's jacked. Yeah. Right? And he's sitting across from Sidney Crosby, who's no shrinking violet himself. And he's dwarfing Crosby. Yeah. You just, went, you just went from cool Uncle Jeff to a creepy Uncle Jeff there with uh, I Nathan so, McKinnon yeah. is so thick. He's so <laughs> thick, man. He's went into creepy scout mode. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, Thanks. Let's uh, – you- you know, you know what's crazy? Uh, when I was pre- prepping for this podcast, I went and looked back because I remember we did a similar thing last year, and it's it. We did this on December twenty third, twenty fifteen, and that was episode forty one of this show. And now we're on uh, we're on one twenty four of the PDO cast. So it's uh, oh, it's really good year, man. Time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, and this is always one of my favorite times of the year as well. And I get a couple of days off so I can actually enjoy this properly. Yeah. Um, you know, you know who I always feel for is uh, the broadcasters on TSN who have been pounding this thing for so long. Uh, Gord Miller, who has done this tournament forever, and it's one thing to do it, you know, in Toronto and Montreal, and that's cool because you can still be around family. Mm-hmm. But I think of all the the production crew as well, the camera crew, like everybody, all the truck guys and gals, like every single year. They say bye to their families at one of the best family times of the season, just so we can watch hockey games. Yeah. You know, they say bye bye to Christmas. They say bye bye to New Year's. Like, I, it, 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 at a at a certain point, like the human element. Like, I know you get into this business and your eyes open wide about it. it's a prestigious prestigious tournament to be part of. Mm-hmm. But just from a broadcaster's point of view, I don't think we I don't think we give these guys enough credit. Yeah. For saying bye to their families at Christmas time, so we can enjoy the WJC. Yeah, so yeah. good for these guys, and they do a remarkable job. I mean, it wouldn't wouldn't be the same without them. So yeah. Um. So so that podcast that I just mentioned, we 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 called it the the Sochi model, and I think uh, we were talking about at the time how yes. Hockey Canada finally embraced this kind of what seems like common sense, but for a while went against convention. Just this approach where it's like just pick your best 12 forwards and six defensemen and however many subs and just take your chances that the talent's going to mesh and work itself out as opposed to going with the conventional hockey team building approach where it's like let's pick guys for certain roles we need fourth line grinders we need you know the third line penalty killers we need this and that it's like you know when you're team canada you have options for various you know levels of talent so you should just take the best guys and and see what happens so i guess the good place to to start the discussion here is do you think that they went with that approach this year they did you know they did um it's the 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 sochi model is what i think internally hockey canada calls it uh the other way to describe it is uh skill adapts Mm -hmm. and this is the hockey canada model from the moment that any of these kids enter the the program of excellence where you're going to be expected to do a number of different things in a number of different positions in really high pressure situations i know you know we can knock minor hockey for there being just too much of it and too many tournaments and too many you know side games and too many exhibitions and too many camps and i get all that but i mean you're you're taking the jug of orange juice and turning it back into the little can of concentrate and that's what they're doing with all all of these players and so you know whether you're 
you know, a long-standing member of uh, of Hockey Canada at the the national team level, uh, like Dylan Strome, or you're someone like we'll, we'll take one of his line mates and Taylor Radish from the Erie Otters, mm-hmm. uh, who makes Team Canada, Tampa Bay uh, prospect. Um, you know, by the time you get there, uh, a pressure should probably not be a thing because you've been in a number of high-pressure situations, right. albeit not on, on national television, one of the most prestigious tournaments uh, for, your, for your age group. Um, but B, you can, you can adapt. And whether you're a first-line guy with the Erie Otters and here you might be a fourth-line guy, I mean, you've been in situations like that before, and there's no room to have boo-boo face, and there's no room to call your agent and complain. This is just the way it's done. And if you're down with that and you can play, there's a spot for you. And if not, and Hockey Canada's done this before, um, and the name Josh Hosang comes up all the time, or all, always did with Hockey Canada, there is not a spot for you on the roster. Yeah, I think the most, the only real kind of notable omission, in my opinion, was at least in terms of like the double take I did when I saw the news break of it on Twitter was that they didn't pick Sam Steele. Um, Were you super surprised by that? A little bit, and specifically considering the season that A, Sam Steele's having, just signed his entry-level deal with Anaheim, I want to say yesterday, yep. uh, and B, the season that uh, uh, that the Regina Pats are having as well. Um, but when you look at you know all the forwards that, that Canada has you know right now uh, at, at the high level, you could, you could make the argument that Steele could sneak in there. The question then becomes, and I always love this, and I'm going to you know, take a shot at my industry for this. We're quick to say who should make the team. But the follow-up should always be, okay, so if you want Sam Steele off the team, uh, on the team, tell me who's off. Yeah. Right? It's easy to say, oh, how come this guy didn't make the team? How come that guy didn't make the team? We're so guilty of it as broadcasters. But how come no one ever follows up with, well, then who shouldn't be on the team? Well, that's true, but I mean, I, I feel like you you can probably find a space to squeeze in twenty three goals in 20, 25 games and, and two points per game, right? Like, I feel like yep. I don't know, I don't know who you take out, but I feel like if you're picking the twelve best forwards, he's probably one of them. Uh, yeah, is he going to play above Dylan Strome? No. Well, that's the question. Yeah. Play above Matthew Barzal? Mm, no. I mean, it's and I, and I know you can you can you can put him on the wing, and he's ha- happy. I'm I'm sure happy to do so. But you're, you nailed the right guy as far as, hmm, you kind of look sideways at, well, how come this guy's not on the team? Um, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm, and listen, I'm like you. I, I want to nitpick all of this stuff, right? I want to nitpick left hand shot, right hand shot, all of it. But this looks like, this looks like one of the more solid, uh, one of the more solid Team Canada rosters that we've seen in a while and, and, and balanced as well. So for them to win, like, I mean, obviously, it's going to need to be a group effort, but I feel like Dylan Strom and Matthew Barzell are going to have to be like the two top guys, right? Uh, yeah, centers one and two. Oh. I think uh, you know you're looking at a uh, you know Mitchell Stevens, uh, Pierre Luc Dubois. You know, there's always like whenever tournaments like this. I mean, of course, you always want your big guys going, right? I mean, we think last time it was in Toronto and Montreal, and of course, Connor McDavid was outstanding, but so was Anthony Duclair. Max Domi was fantastic. Like you had Dylan, uh, Darnell Nurse uh, was real good. Um, but you kind of need some of the, the lesser known players to take that next step. So maybe that's, you know, Anthony Sorelli, um, who again, this is going to be a common theme, is a Tampa Bay Lightning prospect, Dimitri, <laughs> uh, because everybody in the tournament is a Tampa Bay Lightning prospect. They've yeah. done such a great job uh, of drafting. You know, is it, is it someone like, well, like Anthony Sorelli? 
Uh, I just mentioned Taylor Radish. Can he be that guy? You know, Blake Spears is going to be given every opportunity to succeed coming off the uh, the wrist injuries. Me, every opportunity to succeed. He plays with Sault Ste. Marie of the OHL. Uh, and then when it when it comes down to it, specifically for Canada, maybe it turns into the exact same conversation we've always had about Team Canada. Is the goaltending good yeah. enough? Yeah. And, you know, maybe is the goaltending big enough? It seems right now, you know, for the next level past this for, for the NHL, what do you figure the barrier to entry is for a goaltender? Six foot three right now? Like, we're getting to the point where six foot six is almost too big, but between six foot maybe two, six foot three to six foot five, that seems to be the sweet spot for goaltenders. And Carter Hart and Connor Ingram, by that standard, are a little bit smallish at six foot one. I know it's only an inch, but when you're talking about hockey and you're talking about pucks going in nets and red lights going off, that, that does mean a lot. Having said that, dude, Carter Hart's been fantastic. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I remember. He's been awesome. I remember. I remember last year we uh, we had the discussion about Mackenzie Blackwood, and we were kind of, you know, he was having a good year as well, but we were a little skeptical about just the, the goaltending pipeline for for Team Canada in the past few years. And while I don't think that's ultimately what necessarily did, did him in, they just weren't good enough. Like the, the goaltending definitely didn't help matters. But I mean, you look at Carter Hart's resume, especially this season. I mean, he has a nine twenty eight save percentage in the in the WHL. Uh, he was a mid second round pick last year, which is pretty much where like all the top goalies are going these days. So yeah. Um, I, I think that, you know, I haven't necessarily, I can't speak from like, I haven't watched him much, but just based on his statistical resume, it feels like he would, he should be at least competent enough to, to keep them in these games and help the talent win out. Next year is going to be fascinating for goaltending as well, because, you know, I could almost make the argument that, you know, you're going to have a really solid crop of four to choose from, whether it's Jordan Hollett with Regina, uh, Stuart Skinner uh, with Lethbridge, Michael DiPietro with Windsor, uh, Ian Scott and Prince Albert. Like there's going to be, there'll be, some would say, more of a challenge for that net mining spot for Team Canada next season. Um, but this year, this year to me, it's, it's Carter Hart and the rest of the, and the, rest of the bunch for, for Canada. Yeah, look at you uh, already teeing up the 2018 tournament. <laughs> <laughs> so embarrassing, eh? Just throw the names out. Tack it back like you're an authority. Sure, why not? Um, so, you know, I'm just looking at this tournament and, and from the big picture, and I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm wrong here, but it just feels like compared to last year, it just pales in comparison in like pretty much everything in terms of like hype pedigree excitement and like I, I, I don't know i mean obviously it makes sense last year we had that finished team with line a pulley and, and aho and i mean oh. you, can, you can even toss you into that what is that like that's the three of the top five picks in the in the draft there and, and then obviously yeah. we had like the u.s team with matthews and kachuk who were also top picks and it felt like there was something happening in each game that would have like nhl repercussions down the road and and this year it just seems like that isn't really the case Let's stick with Finland for a second because you brought up the big line, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and they're gone, and everyone expects the Finns to have taken a step backwards, and, and maybe they will. I mean, there's a number of draft eligibles. You look at the the the, um, uh, the blue line; it's young. Uh, Yuso Valamaki, who I think is going to be a top 15 pick, uh, Vakaninen, Robin Salo. Like, there's a, there's a lot of youth on that blue line, yep. um, but there's some really interesting pieces up front. Like, some really I should say pieces. There's some really interesting players up front. There's no Patrick Laine, but Ellie Tolvanen from Sioux City in the USHL is, you know, they call him the Finnish Tarasenko. I mean, you'll, I don't know if you've ever seen this guy play before, but when I watch him play, I'm like, oh, Dimitri's going to love this guy. <laughs> he is just pure finisher. This guy, he's not big. Like, you know, Line A's a giant, too, to go along with that shot. Uh, Tolvanen's 5'10, 5'11, buck 75. 
but may have the best release of anybody, with all due respect to Owen Sippet and Mississauga, the best release of anybody in the draft. He is pure goal scorer. And the guy that I'm really curious about to see at this you know, best-on-best competition is someone, because you always look for that <gasps> moment at the draft where mm-hmm. someone goes off the board, and last year it was Florida. When everybody expected the Florida Panthers were going to take Alex DeBrinkett, yep. they took Henrik Borgstrom. Uh, who's playing at Denver this year and shooting the lights out. I don't think many. Like There are a handful of people that may have considered Borgstrom to, to be someone who could, could crack the first round. But when Florida stuck their neck out and took him, um, it was one of those we're swinging for the fences moments, mm-hmm. right? Which is great, which is, listen, man, from a fan's point of view, it's fun. Um, I heard about a couple of the uh, the interviews that he had leading up to the draft. One of them was absolutely disastrous uh, to the point where one team wanted to have him back to interview him again because they, they couldn't believe that someone could interview that poorly. But there's no denying this guy's skill. And I don't get a, to hold, uh, a chance to watch the Pioneers very often. So I'm really fascinated to watch uh, to watch Finland this year. One for Tolvin and two for Bergstrom uh, from Denver University. So it's not... You're right. It's not the murderer's row that we saw from Finland last year. Boy, was that ever fun. Uh, but there's still a lot of interesting players to watch this year for the fans. Well, what I, what I gather from, from Borgstrom, I remember, you know, he wasn't really that high on, on pe- most people's lists. And then no. it just, I, I, I don't know, I, I feel like he was like a late bloomer or something where he had like a crazy growth spurt towards the end of the season. And it kind of like it, who he was at the start of the year when people were compile, starting to compile their lists and doing all their player evaluations was far different from the player he was pretty much like at the time of the draft. And I feel like that's why he uh, went a bit higher than, than most people thought. But I mean, no, you met, you mentioned Finland's going to be interesting. I think Sweden, I think Sweden is arguably the best team in this tournament, especially now that they got Alex Nylander back. I, it's funny because every year I say, Oh, I like the Swedes. And everyone always says to me, Jeff, you always say you like the Swedes. <laughs> Jeff, you always think Sweden's going to win because generally I do, yeah. <laughs> you know, and um, uh, I love their defense. Right, I think you know Carlson is is uh, is outstanding. Shillington, we've all seen him skate; he's great. Larson, uh, we saw with a cup of coffee with Anaheim this year, playing with the powerhouse uh, team from Fralunda. This like, they have a real nice back end. They they really do, and they've got you mentioned nice uh, Nylander coming back. They've got some nice returning players as well, and Joel Erickson, who we saw briefly with the Minnesota Wild, and again he plays with that. He plays with the uh, Fariestad. Mm-hmm in the Swedish league. Um, he's a real good player and I think he's going to be a real good goal scorer in the NHL for, for a lot of years. So they have, you know, they have some good solid returning players and, you know, they're not shy about having a few draft eligible uh, guys as well. Leah Anderson uh, is one that comes to mind right out of the gate. Elias Pedersen uh, is also a draft eligible and, you know, they've played together internationally a number of different times that have been gold together. Um, so that's, to, to me, I say it because I say it every year. I like the Swedes to win the whole thing, but this is small ice, and that seems to be where Team Canada excels, uh, whereas they just have the hardest time in the world playing when the ice widens a little bit, 15 feet. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Dimitri. I like, I like the Swedes a lot. A lot of reasons to like the Swedes. How did you talk about Sweden for like two or three minutes there without mentioning Rasmus Dahlin? 
Oh, he's only 16 years old. He's not going to touch the ice. Oh this kid's God. fantastic. Yeah. He's real good, man. Oh my it's going to be. It'll be a. It'll be a fascinating draft next year, yeah. right? Because and, Andrei Svechnikov, uh, who plays uh, in the USHL as well, we'll see where he ends up next season. You know, he's already, he's making noise already. Um, uh, to maybe be the first overall pick too, but it's 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 going to be it's going to be tough to see who ends up uh, going number one. Kids, sixteen years old. Like, put it this way, I know Timothy Liljegren will probably go second overall. Plays at Rogla in the Swedish league. Um, you know, he wasn't brought in on the team. You know, Eric Brandstrom, well, and he'll be a first round pick, isn't on this team, but they've gone with this sixteen year old wonder kid who's playing in the men's league and Dimitri. Making men look like boys, mm-hmm. making them look bad. This guy can flat out skate. I don't know how much ice time he's going to get because you look at that blue line and the big four are going to get a lot of it. But you're right. When he's on the ice, pay attention because this kid's this kid's special. Yeah, man. I mean, he's uh, he, he he. I've been watching some of his videos and and it's like he can. <laughs> He can just do everything, like the insane combination of puck skills, skating ability, and and you even meant, really mentioned it, but I mean, just like savage open ice hits too. Like he just, I don't know. I feel like he does a little bit for for everyone in terms of like whatever you're looking for from your defenseman, he probably does it. And he's small, right? Yeah. Like he's not a, he's not a crusher. He's not six foot three or six foot four. Yeah. He's a shade over six feet tall. I don't even think he's 170 pounds. Yeah. Not a lot of room to grow, and we expect him to do so. But yeah, he's a. Uh, It'll be a lot of fun to watch, bro. Yeah, Another no. reason to watch uh, our favorite team, the Swedes. Go yeah. Trey Cronin. <laughs> I think uh, him and him and Svechnikov, yeah, that, that 2018 class looks mighty enticing. Uh, the other day I was looking at Svechnikov's numbers, and he's like he's leading his USHL team in, in, in scoring at least points per game by a wide margin, and, and all the other guys in his team are like a, a full two years older than him. Like It's just remarkable yeah. what he's doing as well. So, yeah, um, he's ripping it. And uh, I, I wanted to give a quick shout out to uh, to the fine website Elite Prospects because uh, they have this new new function that with the, with the player uh, name pronunciations and, and it really helped helped me nail the, the Rasmus Dahlin there rather than uh, going Rasmus Dahlin. Uh, well, so. yeah, because then we then we think of Ulf Dahlin because every time we see okay every time you think okay when you see Jeff Skinner out there and he does that Mohawk style of skating right the figure skating style. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, much in the same way we call that Peter Forsberg move, the Peter Forsberg move, even though Kent Nielsen did it first at the World Championships against John Van Beesbrook and Team USA, we'll still call it the Forsberg move, the postage stamp, as it were. Ulf Dallin was doing that, God, years before, like in the NHL when he played with the Stars. I remember watching Ulf Dallin come out from around the net going, what the F is going on with his skates? What the hell is this guy doing? And now... Well, I mean, a lot of guys are in the you know, straight line crossovers, and that, that's a big deal coming out of figure skating. But that Mohawk style of skating as well, which just you know buys you space, buys you time, makes your cuts that much quicker going to the net. Dude, Alf Dallin was doing that decade ago in the <laughs> NHL. Come on. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we just, we just talked about the 2018 class, and we were pre- prepping for the 2018 tournament a bit there. But I mean, <laughs> just in terms of in terms of this year, we mentioned how it doesn't seem to have that pedigree and that excitement, and I guess it doesn't help that. The guy that's pretty much been considered like the de facto number one guy of this draft class, Nolan Patrick, isn't you know isn't playing in this tournament and has barely suited up this year for his major junior yeah. team with, with injury. I mean, I don't know. Do you think that not playing in this tournament and showcasing his skills on on national TV for everyone to see is going to kind of hurt his claim there as the top prospect, or do you think he's just I'd, established himself as the guy? 
Yeah, no, the body of work is still there that, you know, much like, you know, Galchenyuk or, or Morgan Riley, uh, to some extent, you know, got to go way back to Gord Kluzak with the, the Boston Bruins. I, there's enough of a body of work there that you look at Nolan Patrick and you say, as long as the injury doesn't look like it's career threatening mm-hmm. and the weekend still haven't come out and said what it is. Many suspect it's of, you know, flare up of the groin issue we had in the off season, uh, sports hernia surgery rather. Um, as long as it doesn't look like it's going to, you know, shorten his career or cost him his career. I don't know that Nolan Patrick can hurt himself or bump himself out of that top spot. Um, there's a lot of, you know, hot takery, you know, guys that want to, you know, grab a headline and, hey, let's bump someone else up to that top spot and, and grab one. And that happens. Um, but from all the teams that I talk to, there's about right now, that is, zero chance that Nolan Patrick, unless the injury is more than we we believe, mm-hmm. about zero chance that he uh, that he doesn't go first overall. So I mean, he'll, he'll go first overall. Yeah. The, the body of work there is just too strong um, for him not to go first overall. Well, we'll have plenty of time to uh, talk about the draft. Let's talk about guys that are actually going to be playing in this tournament. Um, yeah, man. Give me, a, give me, a, give me a couple of sort of, I don't know, not necessarily sneaky, but just names, uh, individual players or units you're looking, you're kind of going to be paying attention to in this in this tournament. Paying attention to Russia because they're always good. Mm-hmm. Uh, paying attention to Russia because they're always skilled, and paying attention to Russia because. You know, they know that they're going to take the best 19-year-olds possible, and that is a formula for success for this tournament, and and they do it well. And we have a couple of the names you should really pay attention to there. One who's, you know, not going to be, well, Denis Gurianov is is, is one of the uh, Dallas Stars prospect. You should probably pay attention to him. German Rupsov, Mm -hmm. uh, the Philadelphia prospect, you should pay attention there. But uh, Kirill Kaprasov, uh, who plays at UFA, who's a Minnesota Wild, I want to say he's like a fifth-round draft pick. Yeah, he felt a fifth. Yeah, is it fifth round? Yep. Okay, fifth, fifth round. Not the biggest guy out there. i got to stop saying that because it doesn't really matter anymore in the NHL. Yeah. Um, really highly skilled. I mean, he may end up ripping up this tournament like a bad report card. I mean, he may end up as the leading scorer of this entire thing. That's how highly skilled uh, he is. Like, con- consider this. You have, um, you have Team Russia who have said no to Klim Kostin. He'll probably be a top five pick. This year, Nikita Papagayev plays with the Moostra Warriors of the Western Hockey League. He wasn't even a consideration uh, for this team as well. I mean, knock them for you know, leaving some skill at home, or in this case, Moostra. Um, but this is a team that knows that they are taking the best 19-year-olds. And every year, dude, they're either in the final or they're in the semifinal. They are always right there terrorizing teams. So... Tough to, tough to stray from Russia if you're looking for – and to say nothing, I mean, how many times have you and I talked about Mikhail Sergachev, mm-hmm. who will be the, the anchor on that blue line? And if you haven't seen him before, uh, get ready for a whole bunch of Ilya Samsonov, uh, the uh, the Washington Capitals net mining prospect. It's This this is going to be a tough out if indeed anyone can get him out because they'll be one of the favorites along with you know Sweden, USA, and, and Team Canada. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Kaprizov. He's right up there on my list of guys I can't wait to see because uh... – he fell in the draft. He, he he's obviously he's Russian. He's undersized, but he also has thirty points in thirty seven KHL games this year. And yep. you know, for a young guy like that to basically be kind of leading his team, playing against grown men on a nightly basis is is always impressive, and it's always something that I kind of watch for. So I think Kaprizov is going to do really well. Um, another name that we briefly touched on when we were talking about Team Canada, but I'm I'm really curious to see how Pierre Luc Dubois looks. 
So am I. Um, the recently traded Pierre Luc Dubois. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, it, it's big power forward. Yeah. Is he a winger? Is he a centerman? Columbus want you know drafted him with the idea that he was a centerman, even though you know up until the second half of the season for Cape Breton last year he had never played center, but he took to it you know uh, really easily uh, last season. He will be given you know every opportunity uh, to succeed. Sounds like they're going to play him with Dylan Strom and Mitchell Stevens. Uh, on that that top line, so this is, I mean, how many players have used, and we just mentioned Anthony Declare a few moments ago. How many players have used the World Junior Championships to catapult them mm-hmm. uh, in, into another stratosphere? Well, that's that's that could do this. Uh, this tournament could do that rather for for Pierre Luc Dubois, but uh, but I'm with you. He's he was one of the more interesting names uh, around draft time last year, and everyone said it was going to be, you know, it was going to be the, the the usual three. Oh, it's three deep, and then you're going to see the big the big drop off. It was going to be Matthews, going to be Line A, and it's going to be Pulleyarvi, and then there was the drop. And then Columbus threw the wrench into all of it. Well, yeah, he he was a kind of classic case of the guy that just peaked to the right time and blew up in the second half of his, of his draft year, and he started drawing all these Anze Kopitar comparisons, and and it, I guess it enticed just the thought of having this big two way center that they'd reached for him over Jesse Pugliarvi, and I think that um, you know, it, it's been it's been interesting this year. The the results have been mixed. He it's not good that he's under a point 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 per game in his draft plus one season. So um, he has been he has been playing better as of late. But I'm kind of curious to see whether how he actually looks because uh, he was at the draft. He was one of those guys where I hadn't really even considered him to be one of those top guys, and all of a sudden there there there's Columbus taking him. Yeah, and he'll be off to Blainville, and that's a really good program, and that's a team that's going for it uh, in the QMJHL. I mean, Cape Breton sort of you know, lost a lot of players uh, at the end of last season, so it'll be a, a better environment for him. Um, but when you look, like here, here's another here's another interesting thing here. When you look at the Columbus Blue Jackets right now, you know the team that he's going to you know walk into one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, where's the spot for him? <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, you, you, if you if you just want to do it down the middle, I mean, maybe that's the Dubinsky spot one day. That's that second line center hole that they have sort of carved out for him. Mm-hmm. But right now, it's I mean, it's not as if they have a you know a, a, a bunch of old guys up top that he's going to grab a spot from. Yeah, but um, I, think, I think that's a that's a good problem to have, right? I mean, if, if he oh if, totally if, good if problem he, if, he, oh, for if sure. he pans out, he'll they'll find room for him some way. Yeah. yeah. No, definitely. That's a. Just, Listen, if he if he can pan out, then it's an embarrassment of riches for the CBJs because that blue that young blue line's looking you know stacked for the next however many years, five six years, yeah. maybe longer. Um, the other thing I had highlighted that I'm curious to see is, is isn't just one player; it's more so a group. But we haven't met, really mentioned the the U.S. forward group yet, and uh, awesome. I'm, I'm looking at this list, and man, there's a, there's a lot of talent and a lot of big names there. A lot of talent, a lot of big names. Even without Brock Besser, who's out with the surgery, yeah. uh, and that's that's a this man that that's that's tough. No one's replacing Brock Besser. But when you go right down the list of your Debrinkets and your Bellows, I know he's next. Jeremy Bracco, maybe the best passer uh, in the entire tournament. Clayton Keller, geez, I know the injury and all, but Luke Cunning, mm-hmm. uh, Raslovic, Tage Thompson. Oh yeah, Colin White. Let's not forget about him. Yep. You're right. Like this, this is this is a forward unit that should probably score the most the most goals of anybody in the tournament. Yeah. Like really like when they, when they're in the offensive zone, the puck's going to have wings. It's going to be magical when when these guys have it and and start throwing it around. Um the question that I think a lot of people have is, you know, outside of Charlie McAvoy, Chad Chris to some extent, 
you know, how's that blue line looking for you? Yeah. Do you, do you love the blue line? It's not the best U.S. blue line we've seen in the past few years. Like if I'm if I'm Bob Motzko, like all I'm doing is just I'm keeping Charlie McAvoy on the ice as long as I can. You know, just call a timeout to let him catch his breath and send him back out there. He's he. I mean, I just think that highly of Charlie McAvoy to begin with. But the the the, the defense, as great as that forward unit is. To me, if, if, if USA is going to unravel, it'll probably be because of the back end. Yeah, if I was coaching that team, I would just play McAvoy and, and four of those forwards and just take my chances. <laughs> yeah, man, just, <laughs> just go for it. Why not? Be revolutionary. So, but yeah, it, it is a murderer's row up front. So do you think that do you think Russia or, or the U.S. is a bigger challenge for Canada in that Group B? Oh, I, I would probably, I would, I would almost say Russia just because of the goaltending. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a, in a, in a, you know, one game scenario, you know, I'll take Ilya Samsonov over any of the U.S. goaltenders. Yep. I'm not sure where you're at on that one, but that, that would be my, I will take the Washington prospect over Ottinger, Parson. Like I would, I'll, I'll, I'll take, I'll take Ilya Samsonov. Thanks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in a one game situation where the goaltender can steal it, and it's a big, strong, high-scoring Russian unit. Um, I think Russia probably gives them more fits than, yeah. than USA does. Well, I think both teams have. What do you I, think? What do you think? It's, it's tough. I, I'm, I'm going with you there. I think that I think Russia, but I mean, both teams are very similar in the sense that they could easily just get hot, and they have so much talent up front that they could outscore any team in this tournament, right? So it's like totally. as long as the D and the goaltending hold up a little bit, and I think that Russia has a better chance of doing so. Um, you know they they can be right in there, and I think they're going to be a scary matchup for anyone. Um, yeah. Is there is there is there any angles for this tournament that we haven't hit? I feel like we've uh, we've done a pretty good job. Yeah, so I mean, it's um, the the one thing that I think a lot of countries have a better handle on is what this tournament really is, mm-hmm. which is it's a development tournament, right? Yeah. As much as we want to treat this like you know the be all and end all, and this defines you know our because Canada goes berserk over it. Um, as much as you know, a lot of people will you know define themselves and their identity by what happens at the World Junior Hockey Championships. I think the rest of the world has a more has a more sane approach and a sane look at it, which is really this is a snapshot from where these young hockey players are at at this point of their career as they get now it might be the last one this is like graduation as they all you know turn pro after this but this really is let's not forget a development tournament for a lot of these kids this is not the be all and end all of where your hockey program is at because you can make the argument that you know the finished program is at an all-time high and they may have the best program going right now in all of hockey and they may not get a medal at all yeah it's quite possible yes no I, I think that's a good reminder just kind of taking this tournament for what it's worth i mean it's fun it's unpredictable it's exciting but ultimately it is such a small little snapshot as you said of, of you know 17 18 19 year olds so let's not make it the determining factor for how, you know how their careers are going to play out and let's not get carried away and all become kind of crazy crazed hockey moms and dads here yeah. let's uh let's let's have fun with it Having said that, where you and I live, Dimitri, you know, none of that will happen. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) This country, you know, will turn itself upside down and go through the the emotional roller coaster shift by shift, period by period uh, with Team Canada. But listen, man, it's always been a fun tournament. I've always loved it. Going back to when, you know, CBC used to have it. It's funny, I was 
I was uh, thinking the other day about, uh, you know, I remember specifically where I was for the punch-up in Piastani in 1987, and where I was when Gunther Sebetsky turned the lights out, and where I was, you know, Everett Santa Pass and Brendan Shanahan, and there's Pierre Turgeon still sitting on the bench, and Davidov is dropping guys, and Theo Fleury's going nuts, and it was one of those where we're, I remember the coming back to, to studio and Brian Williams and Don Cherry, you know, screaming at each other. Williams saying it's an embarrassment and Cherry saying it's the greatest thing of all time. Um, I've been, I've, I've never missed a tournament. I've, I've watched every single one. It's a delight. It's a lot of fun and the skills never been better and enjoy it. And whether it's, you know, uh, just like Dimitri mentioned earlier on, you know, if you're watching Sweden, and even if it's not even going to get a lot of shifts, watch Rasmus Dahlin and remember in the back of your mind, that kid is 16 years old. Yeah. Or if it's, you know, the draft eligible guys, remember, these are the guys whose names are going to be here, heard, heard call in June, uh, in June in Chicago. So, and it's fun. Enjoy it. Um, don't get you know emotionally wrapped up in it it doesn't define you as a hockey country <laughs> doesn't define you know your program this is one like look at it like a scout this is a two-week slice out of a player's entire career that's it yeah yeah and ultimately it's, it's kind of good to see how these guys react to this and and, and match yeah. up against their peers but i mean you know a guy can have a bad tournament and still wind up having a really really good career so let's not let's not get crazy um let's uh we want to plug some stuff before we get out of here i mentioned the uh the prospect uh project you're yeah, doing and, and all that stuff when does that yeah, come out? Should, should have a new one coming out hopefully next week should have a new list coming out as well uh what am i doing tvs lately yeah uh, we have a 6 30 program now hockey central uh 6 30 so i do mondays thursdays and fridays the assorted podcast radio here and there regional games um, and I'd like to remind everyone, if you haven't already, go listen to the uh, the Jonathan Willis uh, episode from not that far ago uh, here on the PDO cast. Because uh, like we mentioned off the top, that dude is smart. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, around this time of the year and the holidays, you know, everyone's getting together with their extended families. And there's always that loose cannon uncle that's rambling about politics and social issues and making everyone <laughs> uncomfortable. So if you're unhappy with that situation, put on this podcast, listen to Uncle Jeff talk about hockey and uh spend some quality time with uncle jeff <laughs> yeah i said bs you for an hour don't don't be fooled guys i'm not that consistently interesting trust me well happy, happy holidays to you and yours jeff and uh yeah, man, let, let's, let's chat in the new year okay uh, of course absolutely dimitri to you and your family as well and to all your listeners thanks so much for uh, putting up with my blathering here on this uh, on this wonderful podcast it is without doubt one of if not my favorite hockey podcast to tune into and that includes my own both of them well that was nice of you to say and it's my pleasure to have you on man so we'll chat soon thanks bud the hockey pdo cast with dimitri filipovich follow on twitter at dim filipovich and on soundcloud at soundcloud.com slash hockey pdo cast <laughs>